Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Governor Gavin Newsom has overwhelmingly defeated a recall effort to kick him out of office early. More than 64% of Californians voted no on the first question on the ballot, whether the governor should be recalled at all. David McEwen is chair and professor of the political science department at Sonoma State. He joins me now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. 64% voting no on the recall itself sounds like a lot. Put that number in context for us. What does that tell you? Well, there's a very technical term for this type of win. It, it's an elect- electoral smackdown. This is, this is a whooping. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. Is that a technical <laughs> term, Professor? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very technical term from the science of elections. Uh, th- there's no overtime thriller, no two-minute drill. It, it's a political thrashing. And there's another context here, and that is that Gavin Newsom has never lost an election. So as a result of this strong victory, I mean, this, this looks like it's going to be even larger than what happened in 2018 when he defeated John Cox 62-38. The results going forward have short-term consequences for the governor, longer-term consequences for the governor, and to place all of that in broader context, those short-term and longer-term consequences mean that the 2022 midterms start right now. And so that this win is, is a huge component of not just Gavin Newsom, but where the state GOP stands, where the national conversation is in our politics. So it reverberates far beyond California itself. Well, where does the Republican Party stand in California right now? Right. So if you think about the California Republican Party, they haven't elected a statewide winner since 2006. That's when Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, was reelected. And since that time, the, the party has continued to kind of lurch farther to the right, uh, it's embraced Trumpism. It, they've thought about what the party looks like and where things head. And then you get this outside force, Larry Elder, a talk show host, someone who's been on air and had controversial statements for three decades, who runs outside the party, parallel to the party, has almost 900,000 Twitter followers, and is able to get the most votes yesterday uh, out, of, mm-hmm. out of the recall election. But there's another component to this, and that Larry Elder, every time he talked about what he believed or what he was going for, he would always tick off a section of the voting public that he needed to win. The the folks that he had in his base, the the hardcore conservatives doubling down, no problem there. Those people aren't going anywhere. They're not leaving Larry Elder. But you have to reach across the aisle or get some of those what we call disaffected Democrats who maybe signed the recall petition or the no-party preference to claim to state voters. And Elder's candidacy didn't do that. Well, Larry Elder was the top choice in the field of 46 possible replacements for Governor Newsom, and his campaign had promoted a website 
with language that implied voter fraud, but that language was taken down yesterday afternoon. You know, looking back on yesterday, um, you, how concerned were observers and people in the political sphere that the results of this election were going to be rejected? Right. And I, I think that's a, a strong concern. And, and here's why. Even though that language has been removed, the, the rhetoric that Larry Elder has around his radio show with all those Twitter followers and with outsiders aligning himself with Donald Trump means that you can continue to postulate about the veracity of election results. You can continue to, to challenge what has happened. The vagueness of that, the, the creation of that assaults democracy. And uh, that by assaulting democratic institutions, what you're doing is calling into question the legitimacy of the process. That's mm -hmm. not a rejection of conservatism. That's a rejection of democracy. And that's a yeah. big, big difference. And that's what we see with Larry Elder. Does he move forward? Maybe not Larry Elder, maybe not even the California Republican Party, but there are others around that. Given the length of time it takes to count votes and to certify the results here in California, they, that those folks that might want to file uh, any type of argument or lawsuit or legal filing related to this election and its results, they have a bit of time to mull over their mm. strategies and to think about what's going on. What is the discussion around recall reform this morning? Right. So recall reform was discussed in 2003, 2004, 2005, even in 2006. But it's different this time. One reason is that the speaker, Anthony Rendon, represents the liberal wing of the Democratic Party. He's interested in electoral reform of the recall process. So Steve Glazer, who's in the centrist wing of the Democratic Party. That means you're likely to see an assembly floor vote, maybe even a state Senate floor vote. The problem is you then go to the voters and the California voters like to be asked to dance. They like to say no to their partner, which means mm -hmm. that actually reforming the initiative recall and referendum process is not very likely. It's more likely we see death penalty mm. reform in this state before we see any type of direct democracy reform. Well, yeah, this is a question, as you as you noted there, that comes up with propositions as well. Uh, an ongoing discussion, and we'd love to have you back on for it. David McEwen, Chair and Professor of the Political Science Department at Sonoma State, thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me, Lily. So what led to Newsom's overwhelming victory? Well, KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer says a lot of it had to do with his handling of the pandemic. It's kind of ironic that the COVID pandemic is really one of the things that made Newsom vulnerable to this recall in the first place. His infamous dinner at French Laundry was really something that accelerated anger toward him. But in the end, it was really the state's performance against the virus and his policies, the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates that helped turn things around for him and really help him save his job. Ironically, this week, the CDC said that California was one of the three states in the country where the COVID rate was going down. And that's something that was a tremendous contrast with what Larry Elder, the Republican, was offering. He was promising to roll back all the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates and undo what Newsom was doing, which clearly seemed to be working, even though it was also painful at times for teachers and uh, students and, you know, parents and businesses and so on. In the end, it was really Newsom's leadership of the pandemic uh, that helped him save his job and, uh, you know, prevent voters from gravitating toward one of the alternatives. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos says the wide margin in beating back the recall could be a good sign for both Newsom and Democrats in general. 
Well, Governor Gavin Newsom not only beat this recall, he actually might have done better than he did in 2018 when he won a record number of votes beating out John Cox back then. Um, This leaves him not only in a strong position going into 2022, but Democrats more broadly in California in a strong position. I really think that some of the lessons from this recall could potentially be applied nationally for Democrats. They really dug in on the COVID-19 message, kind of threw that back in Republicans' face. Uh, You know, earlier in the year, we had seen a lot of momentum on the GOP side kind of against Newsom and his strict lockdowns and mandates. But it really seems like in the waning days of this campaign, both sides kind of leaned into their pandemic messages and Democrats came out front. And when it comes to Republicans, they're now in a bit of a bind. Here's Scott Schaefer again. The Republican Party now is sort of stuck with Larry Elder. Clearly, uh, the one candidate who stood out for Republican voters, and he is exactly what the party does not need if it is going to, if, to use the phrase, build back better. Uh, the party is now just 24% of the electorate. Larry Elder, uh, unlike, say, a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger, does not appeal to moderates, to you know, no-party preference voters. He just really leaves the party in a spot where it has nowhere to go uh, in terms of growth. And the party's going to have to decide what it's going to do going forward with him uh, and how does it cultivate uh, you know, talent that actually can win elections statewide in California. He is not the answer to their problems, and he is increasingly going to be part of their problems. And here's Marisa again with this look ahead at what's next. You know, ultimately, this actually may have helped Newsom's relationship with other Democrats. We had seen a lot of grumbling among lawmakers during the pandemic that he hadn't really gone to them um, and made them partners in his response. And just generally, I think that Newsom has always had some challenges, both as mayor and governor, working with legislative bodies. I think that what we've seen here is a real coalescing around the governor by Democrats, of course, up to Joe Biden, but also including a lot of those folks in Sacramento that he's going to need to get his agenda pushed through next year. Um, And when it comes to, you know, the big issues facing California beyond the pandemic, homelessness, wildfires, those are not going away. And so what I think Newsom's going to have to do is really hit the ground running. And that was Scott Schaefer with Marisa Lagos. Our thanks again to KQED's politics team. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says California's coronavirus transmission rates are now tilting in the right direction, and their scale shows it. KCRW's Tara Atrion explains. A summer surge driven by the Delta variant may finally be leveling off. The CDC has downgraded California's COVID transmission level from high, which is color-coded as red, down to the orange-colored substantial level. That's the second highest in the agency's four-tier evaluation scale. State officials say they were able to drive down new COVID infections thanks to relatively high vaccination rates and indoor masking practices all across California. The drop also may offer a glimpse of hope for the Central Valley and rural parts of the state, where hospitals are still struggling to treat an overwhelming number of COVID patients. With the latest data from the CDC, California has become one of only three states in the nation that have been downgraded to the substantial category. The other two states are Connecticut and Vermont. For the California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. And that is the California Report for this Wednesday, September 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks for listening. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.